Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Listeners, you are listening to KEDC. This is Red Sea Roundup, and I am your host today, Pam Marvin, but I am also joined by the creator and founder of this program, Megan Silas. Hi, Pam. Good it's, morning. It's so exciting to be back here. It's been quite a while since I've been on uh, on live on this microphone, so it's just a joy to be here. I have to admit, um, I, I couldn't figure out how to get to the studio when I came in because it's changed so much with the new building and everything uh, that the entrance to how to get to the studio wasn't uh, absolutely clear to me. So uh, thankful for the folks downstairs at the St. Mary's Student Center for pointing the way. And I'm just thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And I'll just give a little tease to our listeners. One of the reasons Megan is here with me this morning is that we are launching our podcast, which is Shoulder to Shoulder. Shoulder, born of our love for the Lord and friendship. So we're going to be recording today. So stay tuned and uh, watch the Red Sea Radio app for KDC to be able to listen to it as we discuss holy relationships, holy friendships, and starting with, of course, our relationship to God. Yeah, that's actually going to be available on our homepage at redsearadio.org forward slash podcasts, where you could pull down the home menu or there's a, a splash screen that goes across the front that you click on podcasts Mm. and you'll be featured right there with our other uh, three other podcasts that we've got going. Oh, and will we get an, get a little icon on the app sometime? What do you mean by icon on the app? Well, you know, like when you pull up the Virgin KDC Mary app. icon, you know, Russian <laughs> Is there Orthodox. a podcast app? So, you know, because you've got, you know, yeah. Red Sea Roundup. You're you there. Have, we You're already, there. the podcast is? Yeah. <gasps> I've already got your introduction up on the podcast page. So, yeah. Uh, that's already ar- ready to go. We're still waiting to get it added to the app. Okay. We need to add the extra yes, I do. So I do have I a, a rough draft of the logo. So. Awesome. So, yeah, we've got a, a couple of ladies that are standing shoulder to shoulder yes, at this time. We'll talk more about that, but you'll have to tune in to the podcast to hear more on that. So at uh, this section, Megan, one of the things that we've been doing um, a little bit differently is we go more into um, saints. We do talk oh, about what's going around, going on around our community when it's something very fun, like what Dennis had to say. So, Dennis, you want to tell us about the anniversary before we go and talking about sure. Saint of the Day? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yesterday, we celebrated, uh, we, we actually had our first, uh, on the July 1st date, we had our 10-year anniversary of being on the air uh, with KEDC, Amen. which is crazy and wonderful. Amazing. And, you know, people are, are thanking us for what we're doing, but I'm, I'm just thanking God for doing this despite what we've tried to, to do to ruin it. Kind of like, you know, <laughs> kind of like all of us with the church, you know, we, we try to ruin it on a daily basis, but God is keeping it going. So thanks be to God. But we had about 65 people there uh, at Adoration, which started at 430 Mass. And then we had a, a prayer service and blessing with the first class relic of St. Anthony of Padua. Mm, so it was very nice. And then uh, we had... 
close to close to 200 cookies we handed out and in, in, in bag individualized bags with a little thank you sticker and so Aww. some families got to to get more than one bag each you know mm. per person <laughs> so little kids just got sugared up yesterday it was great oh, i miss those sugar cookies yeah that was really good mm. so we had just great fellowship afterwards out, outside uh, just to keep everybody uh distant from one another a little bit, but yeah, people were just filled with joy and it was just a wonderful, Amen. wonderful way to, to thank God first and foremost for the gifts That's he's true. given us. So yeah, thanks for asking. I, I tell you what, you're saying give thanks to God. And I tell you during this year of being the crazy times we're living in between quarantine and the virus, I have to say with the difficulties Honestly, my sense of gratitude's increasing. It's almost like mm-hmm. it really highlights the things that I miss and that maybe I didn't appreciate before. So, but speaking of appreciating yep. things, I appreciate that Megan is here and today is St. Bonaventure. Yes. Feast day. Yeah. And you said that you kind of have a special connection. Tell us about that. I do. Um, so he is not uh, a saint that's, you know, really popular, I would say. And a lot of people have maybe heard the name, but don't know much about him and, you know, basically, he's a, a priest who um, was in the 13th century, Franciscan, and was involved in helping um, sort of a little bit of a restructuring and renewal of uh, the, the Franciscan order when some things were, were getting a little dicey. But um, the, the reason I have a, a sort of a, an affinity towards him is that he wrote this most beautiful prayer mm. that I discovered um, the church that I go to, you know, pre-COVID, had like this um, thing in the pew, which uh, I go to um, a church of the Ordinariate, which is, uh, or the long name is the Personal Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, which is um, a Personal Ordinariate, which is um, grown out of uh, Anglican patrimony, where uh, back uh, when, Saint, when Benedict was Pope, uh, a bunch of Anglicans wanted to come in as a group. And so he made this provision uh, for them to come in and maintain some of the um, uh, traditional parts of, of Anglican worship, which, go, you know, if you know the history, uh, goes back to, you know, England was a profoundly Catholic nation, country, you know, before the Reformation, before the whole thing with Henry VIII, and to the point where it was actually referred to as the Dowry of Mary, like this was, she, it was so much um, a, a devout Catholic um, country, wow. and so there's worship that, that got maintained in in sort of high Anglican worship that um, was continued. So, but that really has nothing to do with Saint Bonaventure. It's just kind of interesting. But yes. but the, at my church, they had because the, our um, liturgy is a little different than the norm for uh, the regular Novus Ordo Mass that most of us um, are familiar are with. familiar yeah. with. It has the handout to help people go along. But in addition, it had some beautiful prayers at the end, prayers for pre-communion, post-communion and sort of things. And this was one of the prayers that was in it. And it so profoundly Mm. impacted me that I started saying it every time I would go to Mass there. And to the point where I felt such this kinship with St. Bonaventure, I started calling it the St. Bonnie prayer and Mm. just really... You know, feeling connected. So it's a little bit of a long prayer, so I won't read the whole thing. But I just want to give you a little taste of the, just the beautiful heart of this priest who was so in love with the Lord. Mm. It starts out and it says, Pierce, O most sweet Lord Jesus, my inmost soul with the most joyous and healthful wound of thy love and with true, calm, and most holy apostolic charity that my soul may ever languish and melt with entire love and longing for thee. 
may yearn for thee and for thy courts, and may long to be dissolved and to be with thee. Mm. Oh, my yes. goodness. Oh, the wound of love. How yeah, about that? The joyous wound. Of and love. It's wow. so, and that sense of to melt, to, mm. to dissolve, to be completely connected and unified with Jesus in a most spiritual, mystical way. I mean, it it's just goal, speaks to my it? heart. Yeah. It really is the goal. Oh, I, so. love, I, love the, I love that phrase, the wound of love, because so much like in our Catholic faith, things are kind of like oxymorons. We just, True. there's such opposites to each yeah. other, right? Mm-hmm. And so that wound of love just speaks to me too. Like yeah. the crucifixion, the most horrible thing that ever happened was the most beautiful thing that ever right. happened. That is Good Friday. Yeah. And, uh, so I would just encourage the listeners to take a moment, Google St. Bonaventure prayer. This is the prayer that will come up. It's the one that's most well known. Just sit with it. Mm. Pray it. Just it, savor it. It is a prayer to be savored. And it's. I swear it will impact you. I have no doubt. So yeah. St. Bonaventure, pray for us. Right. It really sounds like to take it to adoration, perhaps, oh, and be just beautiful. pray with it and uh, let Jesus in his heart speak to you from the monstrance mm-hmm. as you're reading this prayer, because it sounds like it is a tremendous love story, as we know yeah. our Savior does. It is a prayer of profound intimacy. Mm. And that's that's really and this is great to talk about, because this is a lot what we'll be talking about on our podcast, too, exactly. about that sense of intimacy, intimacy with others, intimacy with Christ, how we get about achieving that. Um, so yeah. no easy task. So that's why we're going to have a podcast and take our time because right. we don't have it. enough time to do it right now. That's for sure. That also leads into who our guest is. And and the second part of the show of the intimacy reminder. So at the end of this oh, segment, yeah. we need to make sure we tease that to keep people here after the break. Right. So after the break, what Dennis is alluding to is that we have an interview with um, Father Greg Gerhardt, who now is a vocations director at in Austin Diocese. But we had such an honor of having him here and his brilliance and his talk and the, just the way he puts things together. And after the show, excuse me, after the break, he is going to go into his dating talk. Like, what's up on dating, right? You shared that with me once. That was a great talk. I still, I need to get my daughter to listen to that because it's great. I love it. You can still find the dating talk actually on Spotify, and it's What's Up About Dating, um, Father Greg. But I actually interviewed him, and that about this whole topic, we kind of shortened it a little bit and made it more concise for Mm -hmm. all listening. And I wanted to focus it a little bit more like towards parents and, and, and what should we teach our kids about dating and things like that. So stay tuned after the break, and you can listen to Father Greg have some amazing words of wisdom on this very difficult topic, because I think we can all agree the culture has gotten it wrong. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy being um, a parent during this time. I mean, even just watching TV, right? Like, I mean, what is taken for granted as just normal the way things are uh, is so far from what our faith teaches us. Right. You know? And you know what, Megan? I would challenge it also, too, that the average American— believes, even if they're not a super big person of faith, they look at what's on TV and go, you know, something's not right about this. It's a misrepresentation of who we are as a people. Sorry, you get me out. That's a whole nother show. I think (laughs) for sure some do feel that, but I I know that just in the experience of my own family, of people who are, you know, my family being, um, you know, Protestant Christians, but not particularly um, actively engaged with their faith, 
They're just like, yeah, that's just the way it is. Mm. I'm seeing more and more people just rejecting it because it just doesn't add up to, to what their experience is of, of what, you know, just being a good human, you know, if your focus was good human, some of those things aren't in there. Yeah. Anyway, so there's that, but before we end up this segment, I do want to talk about another one of the saints recently and she's day yesterday or day before was St. Kateri. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really have just, I don't know. I took a test one time and I scored really high on missionary spirit. Now okay. I haven't been able to travel. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> but the, theirs was the love. I mean, it was primarily the focus on love of other cultures. Mm-hmm. I am utterly fascinated and enthralled mm. with other cultures. And so with St. Kateri Tekawitha, Tekawitha, is that how you would say it? There's a lot of variety there, so I, I what you got is sound good. First okay. time I the first time I ever heard the last name was from former Father Mike Sis, now Bishop Mike Sis. He says Tecaquita. Ah. But, you know. Okay. Well, she was the first Native American to be recognized as a saint by the Catholic Church. And she lived um, around 16, she was born in 1656 in the Mohawk village of Oshernon. And her mother was an Algonquin Indian. Algonquin. Oh, look at you. I know this because I was was telling you beforehand, she lived... Very close to where I grew up. In fact, there is still a, an Indian reservation right close to the town that I, I lived in and where I grew up. And, you know, they reference her at their museum. Wow. And so she was, um, let's see, she was captured by the Mohawks and it took a Mohawk chief as her husband. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Um, and she contracted smallpox as a four-year-old child and was scarred in her skin. But the scars were a source of humiliation in her in her youth, but she was commonly seen wearing a blanket to hide her face. Oh, sweet girl. Yeah, that humility was kind of built in. God had that plan for her to start off with. But uh, what an example. You know, when you really go outside your norm Hmm. because of the calling of Christ, it's just so beautiful. And we're going to be talking about being called by Christ and him talking to your heart. Um and many other topics. So we're excited for the podcast. So y'all stay tuned and watch for that. We're very excited about Father Greg. We wish him well. We're going to miss him around St. Mary's, but we're so thankful to God for his wisdom and teaching and that he's going to be the vocations director and um, formating other priests to come into our diocese. What a blessing. Yeah, you know, y'all pray for your, our priests. Pray, pray for, for our priests. This Amen. is a time of great spiritual battle in, in our world and the priests need our prayers because the enemy wants to attack them more than any other. Well, stay tuned because after this break, we'll be listening to What's Up About Dating with Father Greg Gerhart. Welcome back to this edition of Red Sea Roundup. Today I have joining me the newly assigned vocations director for the Diocese of Austin, Father Greg Gerhardt. Welcome back, Father Greg. Thanks very much, Pam. It's great to be here. 
Well, I have invited Father Greg to give kind of a, a summation of one of the talks that he gave to, I believe it was uh, Magnify, Father, correct me if I'm wrong. It was kind of a, um, a one-off event uh, in this little series of okay. Let's Talk About. Uh, so I did a Let's Talk About uh, Porn, which I did in the uh, fall semester. And then in the spring semester, I did Let's Talk About Dating. And then actually this summer, I did a Let's Talk About Beer. So it was these kinds of, um, yeah. yeah, these fora to, or this forum to be able to talk about some important topics that require a little bit more time than a magnify. And so right now is such a great time. I want to point our listeners to the St. Mary's website where they can find these talks and listen to them. Um, again, I've mentioned before on the show, I've, I've found them to be very inspiring and informative. So if you go to the AggieCatholic.org, I believe there's a section where it says blogs and talks, and it, it will lead you right to that um, section. So I want our listeners to, to know how available they are. So um, I want to start today's show on dating uh, with just my own personal testimony. Why? I really felt convicted to have Father Greg on after I listened to this talk. Well, as a mother of five, I found myself uh, with my oldest when she was around 15 years, uh, 15 years old, um, just really on my knees in prayer to the father saying, Lord, the way we've done dating, the way I knew it, the way it's been doing done today is just really broken. What is it that you desire um, in these day and times for the dating um, of your children. And um, I actually went through a few resources and kind of just pieced things together from, I believe Raising Pure Teens was already out by, um, I believe it was um, the Everts that did that. It's mm. one of your, you cited that as well. Um, but other resources that we've gone along. So I really appreciate all the research and time. And you told us a story um, off air that I thought was kind of cute. It's what inspired you to do this talk. So, Father, tell us that little story. Yeah, that's true. Um, At the beginning of this academic year, we have the retreat that we put on for freshmen and transfer students, uh, the Connect Retreat. And I was just... um, you know, there with some of the sophomores who were putting on the retreat for the freshman and transfer students. And one of them asked me, Father Greg, what did y'all do before dating apps? <laughs> I was, um, it took me aback, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, of course, I didn't have dating apps, but I never thought that someone wouldn't know what to do in terms of dating. Yeah. Um, and that kind of inspired me eventually with time. It did, it did take a lot of time eventually to, to put this together, but uh, to do the research and uh, to put together this presentation that I thought was helpful, that was light. Uh, believe it or not, I, I put more research into this uh, presentation, I think, than anything in my life, except for my final exam as a moral theologian at the Angelicum. <laughs> I, I, uh, I did a lot of what? reading. I did. I did. It, it, I was very nervous. You know, it's not, um, I guess it's a, such a sensitive topic. I wanted to do so. Uh, in a way that was helpful, in a way that was accurate, uh, and I was really happy with uh, with the feedback that I've been getting. It, to me, it really was complete. It like filled in some spaces for me too. Um, and let's just start with the beginning, it, which is the end, mm-hmm. which I think you mentioned, and I love looking at things that way as well. This is my goal. Um, for my children, you know, to have them aspire to a holy marriage, a holy family. And so you start there as well. And so let's go dive right into marriage and the basics. Yeah, I thought that was the best way uh, to do the presentation rather than kind of, um, 
I don't know, viewing dating as some kind of ominous or vague or very hard to understand reality, if you understand it as a, a means to get married, it becomes a whole lot more easy, uh, easier to swallow. And, 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 and knowing how to approach it in the right way, if you start with the end, I, I gave the analogy, if I want to go to Mad Taco, I know how to get there because I know what the end is. Uh, I know the directions. So if we start with marriage, that's going to give us the best way to take the appropriate steps to get there. And so, yeah, that was that was um, kind of the the rationale behind the way that I organized it in these kinds of, of steps, the, the yeah. do's and don'ts of dating, starting with marriage, uh, but then from, because uh, starting with the end, but the, these like five, you know, stages that you would go to, go through in order to get married would be being single, dating, courting, engaged, and then married. Uh, so those were the kind of the ways that I split up the talk. But um, but yeah, talking about the basics first, marriage first, if we know the end, we're going to know the way to get there. I gave some citations from the catechism. Um, so paragraph 1601 says, The matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. So you have some very um, important things there. What is marriage Mm -hmm. itself? It's a partnership of the whole life. What's it's ordered to? It's ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of their children. And then it's also a sacrament. So that means that it's a means by which we are going to arrive in heaven. And that uh, very, very concise definition gives us a great way to know what the end is so that we can understand the means of getting there. Yes, I tell my kids, and it's very convicting to them when they're, you know, 14, 15 years old, and and they're starting to see all their, you know, classmates kind of pair up in this so-called dating thing. I always say, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. Um, you date to mate. Are you thinking <laughs> yes. about getting married? And you tell a 15-year-old that, and they just they recoil. Like, well, no. I'm like, well, that's what it's for. So that's it's true. not time yet. I think that's the, the biggest, you know, you were talking about your mother's heart and um, trying to understand how to go about dating. That's e- probably the easiest and the best piece of advice that, that someone can give, that dating um, really isn't an end in itself. And that's the way that it's treated, um, that mm-hmm. this is just an end. I, I, I do it for fun, and there's there's no other purpose, no other reason to do so. Um, my dad put it like this, it's a, it's a job interview, right? It's a job interview for, for this position, namely the position of, of being a friend for the whole of life, for the good of the spouses, the good of the children, in order to make it to heaven. So if you understand that first, then dating is not going to be something that is an end in itself. It's going to be a means to that end, and it will help you to go about it in the right way. So there were some other catechism mm-hmm. quotes, but just because of the um, the time that we have, I kind of uh, summarized uh, those uh, those catechism quotes with: What is marriage? It's a partnership. Why do you enter into it to get into heaven? How do you do it for the love of spouse, or you do it by the love of spouse and love of children? You do so specifically as Christ loves the church. You do it with the grace of a sacrament, and then those characteristics of marriage itself is that it is um, there's unity, indissolubility, fidelity, and fruitfulness. So that was kind of how I summarized these these quotes from the Catechism. And like you said, if if you want to listen to the whole talk, we have it on our podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks. 
um, that would go uh, more into those specific paragraphs of the catechism that I cited. Right. Well, of course, I, I, I would be remiss in my duties if uh, I didn't even just mention a little bit of that one part where it says it's a unity that beyond union in one flesh leads to forming one heart and soul. It demands indissolubility and faithfulness in the definitive mutual giving, and it's open to fertility. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but freely open and giving. I, I teach that day in and day out about how much a part of the marital union that is. So I'm glad that you had included that in your talk. Absolutely. About That's such a beautiful paragraph, uh, 1643. It, it really it causes my jaw to drop when I when I hear it. Uh, I, the church sometimes gets a, a rap that it, that it hates, I don't know, sexuality or, or the, the, just the joy of, of that relationship between man and woman. And in no way uh, is that the mm. truth. It actually uh, loves it, appreciates it, celebrates it, and wants to defend it from any kind of false imitation or falling short of the goodness of God, of what he wanted for us in his plan for man and woman. So true. That's so true. So the first step, single. Let's start with single. Yeah. Yearning for more. That's right. That's so true. I can see it in many hearts, yearning for more. Yes. So we were just talking about that. Um, I don't know. This Probably the easiest piece of advice when it comes to dating is to treat it as a means to an end rather than an end in itself. Um, perhaps the, the reason why folks are, are kind of uncomfortable with being single um, is because of this restless heart that we all have. You've heard that famous quote from St. Augustine, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Now, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of trust and faith, and ultimately a lot of love of the Lord to be able to settle for nothing less than Him when there is so many, you know, seeming opportunities to fill that void, to, to come to some kind of rest. Mm. And dating seems to be a means of coming to a, a kind of rest that maybe I will be happy. Uh, but the truth is, and Christopher West has this great quote, if we're seeking our ultimate fulfillment in earthly marriage, we're setting ourselves up for serious disillusionment. Never hang your hat on a hook that can't bear the weight. So the first piece of advice that, that I gave true. when it comes to being single is just to Uh, recognize that God alone will be the one who satisfies me. If I try to enter into dating or even to marriage itself and uh, with the goal of having it bring my heart to rest, a kind of definitive, complete rest, then I'm going to be seriously disillusioned and ultimately am setting myself up as well as my partner uh, and my children for, uh, for disappointment because God is the only one who can truly satisfy our hearts. If we have that recognition from the beginning, we're going to be happier as a single person, happier as someone who's dating, engaged, and married, and we're ultimately going to be able to arrive at our ultimate destination, which is heaven, that that uh, marriage feast of the Lamb. In some sense, you can say that, yes, there is a marriage that will provide the definitive fulfillment and rest that we're seeking, but it's not an earthly one. It's the one that ultimately we we have in heaven that we get to participate in, in a, in a kind of a taste uh, in the mass, but ultimately that will be perfect in heaven. Mm. Right. I love the seeking that, you know, like kind of a teamwork, like we yearn for more to be able to get to heaven, but we want that person, um, if we're made for marriage, because there's that part of the discernment as well, to, to really live together that way as a team to work that mutual goal of heaven. 
That's true. Yeah, sing, uh, the, the time of being single, it is a time of discernment as well. Uh, you would enter into dating if you were sure that God was calling you to himself through marriage. So he, he loves us. Mm-hmm. He longs for us. He came that we might have life and have it to the full. And there are three particular ways that he calls us to himself on earth, through marriage, through religious life, and through the priesthood. And if I'm seeking him as I am right now, this is kind of like 30,000 foot level of, of what it means to discern one's vocation. We're all called, we all have a vocation to holiness, to deep communion with the Lord. And the more that we grow in holiness as we are right now, no matter, no matter what state in life we find ourselves in, the more we grow in holiness as we are right now, the more clearly we're going to be able to see the particular way that God wants us to live out that holiness in our lives. So whether that be marriage, whether that be religious life, or whether that be the priesthood, um, the way to know that is simply by growing in holiness as we are right now. And I, I said, probably the best piece of spiritual advice I could give to anyone is simply make friends with that longing. Don't try to cover it up. We all have a longing for God. And if we try to cover it up with distractions or cheap thrills, it's going to be hard for us to grow in holiness, and we're not going to be able to discern as well as, uh, as we need to to follow the particular calling that God has given to us. So make friends with that longing, especially in the single um, period of life. Make, make friends with it and let it draw you to deep communion with the Lord. And that will be the way that you'll know whether you're called uh, to priesthood, to religious life, or to marriage. If you are called to marriage, then you can move to this next part, this next part in, the, in, in these stages of, that lead to marriage. Right. I, when I work with some young women who are, do experience that longing, um, I always tell them it's okay. Like you said, make friends with it. I, you say, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of sadness that he's not here yet, right? But mm-hmm. this is God's plan for you and kind of rest in that discomfort. Make friends with it as well because God's plan is way better, even though you may not see his purpose right now in the waiting, but yeah. there is so much beauty in the waiting. It just makes it more the sweet. It's almost like our Lenten season or, or what we're going through right now, because we cannot have so much that when we return to it, um, we will have a new layer of appreciation, which uh, I know I need more appreciation for just every small thing. I mean, that's part of trusting in God, I believe. But so we're, we're in the single stage and now we're going to move into the dating stage, Father. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so the dating stage, uh, this is kind of like the job interview that we've talked about. So you've, um, you've been in the single stage, you've discerned that, you, um, that God is calling you to himself uh, through the vocation of marriage. And well, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden, I don't know, that you do a novena to the Holy Spirit and he reveals to you a particular person and you go to that person and you say, God has revealed to me that we're going to get married, right? Kind of weird that probably most likely is not going to happen. Uh, dating is is this step of discerning because it is it's two people who enter into this. It's not it's not one. So uh, dating is a mutual getting to know one another, a mutual you might say uh, job application, uh, so that you can discern whether this person is the one that you want to enter into marriage with. Remembering what it is, starting with the end in mind, a partnership of the whole life, ordered towards the good of the spouses and the children. That is a sacrament that, that brings us ultimately to heaven. So the purpose of dating is to discern 
whether you will marry this person. You're going to evaluate, do we have chemistry? Um, before all of that um, happens, uh, you, what's, what's important is to make a list of your non-negotiable characteristics in a person. Um, when it comes to dating, there's kind of these, these four quadrants, and you only actually go on the date with the person in one of these quadrants, right? So it could be the wrong time and the wrong person. It could be the wrong time, but the right person. It could be the right time, but the wrong person. But ultimately, if it's the right time and the right person, you could go forward uh, with dating someone. So when should I go about it? When is the right time? I've discerned that I'm called to marriage, and I'm, I'm at a place in my life where a two-year relationship could end in marriage, and I've resolved major obstacles to marriage. So I think that two-year relation, two-year relationship ending in marriage is is maybe something that you might talk about um, with your children who are in high school. Uh, so right. Jason Everett uh, really emphasizes this need to enjoy the the period of being single, the state of being single. It's an opportunity to mm-hmm. grow in friendship, uh, to grow in your relationship with the Lord, to develop your own hobbies, uh, to really become the best version of yourself. The reason why you don't really get into dating when you're not likely to get married in two years is because uh, it's it's hard to wait for that long. The more that you grow in intimacy with someone by by mutual knowledge of one another, the more that you're going to want to express that intimacy with your bodies as well. Right. And so if, if you're not in any place where you um, are likely to get married, you're ultimately putting yourself in a near occasion of sin. You're playing with each other's hearts, and it's not going to end very well in the overwhelming right. majority of cases. So when you're in a place where a two-year relationship could end in marriage is the time to really um, consider dating. And were you, I, well, I you also want to yeah. say, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I do. I, I just, um, I've had a couple of client couples um, as a fertility care practitioner who did, did this well. And I just want to say it is doable if that happens, but um yeah, they've dated for eight years um, in a chaste relationship, met in high school, dated all through college, graduated A&M, and are, are now happily married and expecting their first child. But it, it can happen, although it is very much um, the exception to the rule. That's true. And yeah, I guess that was one of the reasons I spent so much time and I was so nervous about it because, yeah, these, these are best practices, best pieces of advice. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that someone should uh, dismiss it. Well, it's, it's possible to do it in other ways. Uh, sure, it, it certainly is possible to do it in other ways, and there are exceptions, but, but I don't think that we should presume that we are the exception, right, to, to go about it in the Correct. best way Amen. possible. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely, um, absolutely. So, yeah, if you kind of are in that place where you could be dating, as I mentioned, uh, then who do you, whom do you date? You have these non-negotiables, namely that they're seeking heaven, they're virtuous, they're good with communication, you have chemistry, and you agree on faith, kids, and money. That's what my mom said. My mom got married when she was 18. And, uh, and her three mm. big things that she had to agree upon um, with my dad were faith, kids, and money. And my dad actually converted to the Catholic faith. Uh, so, so that ended up working out. They've been married for over 30 years. Before or after? Before, uh, before after marriage? Before, before marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. Because so. I get that question sometimes too. Um, 
like, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of hard to discern on the same page face-wise. But Father Greg, I want to just really emphasize this section of really having the ideals and that list ahead of time as you're single. What are your non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. Are you seeking and striving for heaven together? Is it a virtuous person? I like the phrase, is there sufficient virtue in this person to make it in the long run? You know, as a, as a child of divorce, that was it. I want the longevity. I want what we need to see the other end at 50, 60 years down the road, um, which all goes back to virtue, because when you have that virtue, all else is going to follow. Absolutely. It's um, so that's why it's so important, like you've, yeah, to keep the end in mind. This is a partnership of the whole life. Right. And, uh, and certainly there are some desirables, yeah, the, the things that you want for chemistry, and chemistry is very important, but it, it is only one of those non-negotiable characteristics that you're going to see in someone. And if, if someone is lacking in these non-negotiables, if they're not seeking heaven, if they're not virtuous, um, if they're not good with communication— you're really going to be setting yourself up for a very difficult marriage in the future if you go forward mm-hmm. with it. It doesn't mean that the person has to be perfect. You won't you won't find anyone like that. But uh, but seeking heaven, trying to grow in virtue, uh, these things are going to be non-negotiable. So in in this talk, I gave some resources at the very end, books that one might read in order to really make that list. If you have the list ahead of time, it's going to help you go about this in a, in a detached way, not hanging all of your hopes on this particular person and trying to, I don't know, overlook perhaps some deficiencies just because of the goal of, of wanting to be happy. Right? We all want to be happy, but God is the one who's going to make us happy. If I put all of my hopes in him and I have this list of non-negotiable qualities that, that I need in a partner for my whole life, then I'm going to be able to go about dating in a very good, healthy, and holy way. Mm. I love that part. You just Mm -hmm. absolutely have to put a lot of time and thought and effort and really have a uh, um, kind of your own diagram, as you say. So, yes, that's great advice. Yeah. So when when I got in in a little bit into the, uh, the... details, I guess the nitty-gritty details into the weeds of what what a, uh, a first-level date might look like. I, I separated uh, dating from courting. That's not, you know, uh, divinely revealed in terms of those two different stages or whatever, but just to be a little helpful, I, I separated dating from courting, and I, I talked about this, uh, this documentary called The Dating Project. It's a um, Boston College philosophy professor who realized that same thing that I mentioned um, that, that yes, most people don't know yes. how to date anymore, that they, it's easier to hook up than it is to go on a date. And so she gave as an extra credit assignment to go on a date. And she said, this is what a date looks like. You ask in person, you use the word date, you have a plan, you go within three days mm-hmm. of the ask, it lasts 45 to 90 minutes, it's less than $10 no alcohol, and then in terms of physical expressions of affection, you just do an A-frame hug, right? Just the shoulders uh, touching, nothing yeah, below. I love that. Uh, you can go on right. three of these. Um, if you go on more than three, um, most likely you're, you're kind of wasting time because by the third day, you should know whether you want to move on to the, uh, the courting phase where you really want to do some relationship work and get to know the person. But these first dates are just kind of um, 
seeing whether this person does have those non-negotiable qualities that you need, and if you're willing to see if they continue to have chemistry, and, and if all of these kind of categories are, are being met, then you might uh, move on to courting, where you're doing real relationship work. If, if you recognize that the person doesn't have um, some of these things, or you're not going to have chemistry, or whatever it may be, then you very, uh, with, with clarity and charity in the relationship. Uh, it's just as important mm. to be intentional about ending it than it, as it is about beginning it. This is going to really respect the other person's heart. Uh, and and it's, it's, I, I think it's, yeah, that's the best way of putting it. Be just as intentional and clear about ending a relationship as you are about beginning it. That's going to be the best way to respect someone. Right. Father, I wanted to really emphasize this. I had to look up from your thing what DTR was to <laughs> define the relationship. That's right. Um, but I had to look it up. I didn't know. But that was one of the things um, that was very clear that I really, one of the first things I really uh, loved about my son-in-law is because he made it very clear to my daughter, um, I want to date you. And I'm, you know, he really defined it clearly for her. And I find that in this current culture and environment, we are being too nice in some ways by just being too fluid and not decisive enough. So you making this point of defining it, whether it's to go forward or to not go forward is so ultimately very important. It's, it's a type of justice, I believe, like in the big scheme mm, of things absolutely. Um, for the human person. It's a very just thing to do, even if you may hurt someone's feelings by ending it. That's very true. Um, when even though there's an initial pain, especially if you're the one receiving that kind of news that the other person doesn't want to continue discerning uh, marriage with you, uh, that is certainly a pain that must be borne. But it's much better than having your heart strung along for weeks and months on end and not knowing where it's going. Uh, so it is very just. That's the perfect virtue to give the other their due, and we all uh, deserve exactly. to be treated with respect with charity and with clarity. So it, one of the funny things in the talk, when, when, I, uh, when I said, use the word date, um, all of the girls started clapping in the talk. They were so, yeah. <laughs> so much uh, wanting guys to actually use the word date because generally someone might say something like, I don't know, do you want to go hang out this evening? And they're thinking to themselves, no, right. I don't want to hang out. If you want to go on a date, then right. sure, but I don't want to hang out. I have plenty of friends that I can hang out with. Uh, so that kind of clarity right. at the beginning is important as well as at the end. It's that kind of masculinity we want to see. I That's mean, I true. think of that as a very masculine. You're really putting yourself out there as a young man to do that um, and taking that risk, which is very, to me, it's like noble. Um, that is a sign of your masculinity and being able to put your vulnerability out there to ask for her to go on a date, right? That's, so that's true. Chivalrous, in my opinion. Well, yeah. you're you're kind of confirming again. I'm uh, from from the other perspective, and maybe to the guys out there, when you ask in person, you're making yourself and using the word date and having that kind of confidence and taking that kind of risk. You're making yourself a whole lot more attractive. It's going to be much less likely that the person will say no, exactly. uh, at least from from the research that I've done. And, uh, and if they do say no, what's, what's the worst that can happen, right? That's it. That's it. They say no. You've narrowed down the pool by one person, and, uh, and you can move on. Or, or for the girl, you know, if you, if you feel comfortable, I'm, I'm really, I didn't think I was in the position to, um, uh, to say that you should say yes. Other girls have, um, 
uh, Jackie Francois Angel. She she has uh, some YouTube videos on this, and she says that you should say yes. But I'm I'm not really in that position. If you feel comfortable and safe and whatnot, uh, you should say yes. And what's the worst that can happen? You get some uh, some coffee and ice cream or something like that, right? So so just this detached dating. This uh, my heart is set on the Lord. I believe I'm called to marriage. I'm going to ask someone, and if they say no or it doesn't work out, well, that's okay because my whole um, heart isn't hung up on this possibility. My whole heart is hung up on the Lord. And sure, it may hurt a little bit, but it's 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 a very small thing in the grand scheme of of my goal of of perfect happiness with God. So true. We remember that. Um, even our salvation was bought at a great price through great love with much pain. So I know that's like a really huge extrapolation, but as Catholic Christians, we don't, we don't shy away from that suffering because we know how much beauty can be born of it. So, so folks, let's not shy away from these things, especially when you're talking about truth and being just in certain areas and moving into the courting relationship. Um, defining it. And then here we go, Father. What? How do they do it? Yeah. So you mentioned DTR, define the relationship. If you want to move on to courting, you you have this kind of uh, period where you're going to to maybe just make that a little bit formalized, right? You're, you're saying to the other person, I think we have chemistry and I want to continue getting to know you. It doesn't mean that now I know I'm called to marry you, so you don't don't have to worry about that, but you're simply saying to the other person, I think we have chemistry, and I want to continue getting to know you, right? So uh, with that, you um, in this kind of uh, DTR, you want to agree to courtship. You want to agree to chastity. That means you're agreeing to something positive. Um, and because, you, as you've mentioned, this this whole script for dating is not, known very well. It's okay for this kind of period of a, of a DTR to take a couple of days to say, like, this is what I'm hoping to do. I want to have a chaste courtship. Would that be something that you would want to do? Maybe the other person is saying, I've never heard of that before, or, or they just weren't, weren't uh, expecting this whole DTR thing. That's okay. So you can be, uh, you know, let the person have the time that they need uh, to make this next step. Um, but but be very firm about your desire to move into chaste courtship because that means that you're agreeing to something positive. Chastity is the virtue that allows for full love, authentic love, not just erotic love, right? It's authentic because one's mind, heart, and body are completely aligned, completely ordered for the good of the other person uh, and for the good of oneself as well. Chastity is not something that you have to do just at the beginning of dating or courting, and then when you're in marriage, it goes away. That's, that's not the case. Chastity allows for the fullness of love, and since marriage includes love, right? chastity is going to remain in marriage as well. I mentioned this, uh, this fullness of love, and this was some of the best feedback that I got, what really people appreciated. Um, the, the Greeks used to have four, or they still do, right? Four words for love. <laughs> We uh we still we we just use what well, I love pizza I love God <laughs> very very different meanings of the word love so they had uh, or have storge philia eros and agape so storge being this kind of familial love or just affection philia like Philadelphia the city of brotherly love this is the love of friendship eros this is emotional love or erotic love maybe you've heard it uh, in that term as well and agape is unconditional love. That, you could say, is the fullness of love. 
but chastity is going to protect all of that. And it's so important in courting, in dating, in marriage, because the most exciting and perhaps the most powerful one is erotic love. It's emotional. It's it's the reason why you say, I'm in love, or I have to have her, or something like that. But mm. it's so powerful that we can put all of our attention towards it, and the other three can be kind of um, crippled. And the other three are actually much more important when it comes to a 50 to 60-year-long relationship. You want to marry your friend, your best friend. You want to have a kind of affection for them that isn't simply bound up in this kind of emotional love, and you want to be able to sacrifice for their good. Those other three loves are actually the more important ones, and it's why chastity is so important, because it's going to protect all of those and allow for a true marriage and not one that's completely wrapped up in emotional love. Um, it's it's very possible, it happens um, frequently, that the, the, the two partners who enter into marriage don't actually know each other because they've been so caught up in that emotional love. And then when that fades and passes, they realize that they don't have any other foundation to stand upon, and they don't even know one another. Uh, so entering into courtship uh, with the agreement on chastity is so important. It's going to protect the fullness of love and allow for happiness in marriage going forward. Right. The only one other thing that I could just possibly like include would be the whole um, love as a verb. That's something you do. You mm. know, the, mm-hmm. the whole thing about the priest of man goes and said, uh, priest, I don't, I don't love my wife anymore. And he says, well, just go and love her. And he's like, wait, well, you didn't hear me. I don't love her anymore. And he says, no, then you need to go and love her. So the husband was talking about the eros love and the priest was talking about the other three types of love where it's a verb. You go and be affectionate. You go and be a friend. You go and love unconditionally with who you are. So I like to say that the, the eros part is loud and proud and can drown out the others when in fact you do need all four of those. The others are quiet. They're lovingly. They're sweetly. Almost like the Holy Spirit's very quiet with us, right? Um, but the eros love is very loud and proud. And I think that's that's where we fall into a trap in our current society is that when that is so loud, you run with it because that's what we believe to be love. But in fact, when we understand God, the way that God made us, we incorporate all four of those. So thank you. That was just really great the way you um, tied all four of those together as far as going into the courting father. That was really awesome. And that's a great way to kind of synthesize it, right? Love is not just an emotion. It's a verb. I, I really, really liked that. Yeah. So, so when you um, are having this DTR, agreeing to chastity, you're not agreeing to some kind of repressive uh, rule. You're agreeing to the fullness of love, that I want to love you as a verb and not just as an emotion. Um, so that's, uh, you know, in, in this uh, courting phase, you're trying to get to know the other person. So you want to have lots of different um, experiences with them. Um, if you don't like playing charades with them, chances are that uh, raising kids together is not going to be an enjoyable experience either. Uh, so uh, there's a list of things that, that one could be doing uh, in courtship. Continue setting your heart on God. Continue your personal growth and hobbies. Commit to chastity. Develop those other kinds of love. Ask friends and family for their thoughts. This one is really important because uh, it ultimately is going to be yes. one's own decision. So... Um, Someone is free, and they're going to be the one to choose, but we need the input, the advice, the perspective of our friends and our family. 
because it's very easy. That emotional love is loud and proud, and it can cause us to have rose-colored glasses, right? So we're going to overlook the faults and deficiencies of someone because of that emotional love. Now, again, it is um, the person's decision. Uh, You're not marrying their mom and dad, or she's not marrying your mom and dad. Uh, It is going to be your own decision, but it would be very foolish not to ask the advice of your friends and family what they think about this person. And if someone were to ask you for your advice regarding this relationship, one very good question would simply be, is this relationship making my friend, my family member, more or less of himself, more or less of herself? Mm. If I become more of myself in this relationship, that's a positive sign. If I'm becoming less of myself, um, if, if I'm kind of compromising in so many ways simply to be with this other person, lots of red flags there, lots of red flags. This is a partnership of the whole life for the good of the spouses, for the good of the children, and to make it into heaven. And if I'm having to compromise so much of who I am in order to be with this person, lots of red flags, lots of red flags. Absolutely. Yeah. I Just as someone who has daughters gone on to find their spouses, they do blossom to more fully who they are meant to be. I mean, there's like a confidence and a surety that just kind of starts to envelop. So they are... Um, more focused and just a better version of themselves, as Matthew Kelly said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, at some point, you know, this, this kind of, these kinds of activities that you, um, that you embark upon with the person that you're courting should lead to knowing whether you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. Now, to, trying to put a, an amount of time that this should take is, is not really possible. So just to give uh, some some very you know uh, I guess you might, not vague so just some guidelines they're they're not hard and fast rules but but at six months of courting someone if if you don't know any more whether you would like to marry this person than than as you were six months ago then you might be going about it in the wrong way at six months I think there should be some strong indications um, that either you want to continue. Uh, and, and perhaps marry this person, or that you need to end the relationship, again, with charity and clarity. Um, at two years, if, if there's no uh, movement in that direction, then I think that most likely, uh, most likely the hearts are, are being played with. It's, it's not, it's, it, at two years, if, if you don't know whether the person wants to marry you or not, then there needs to be a very, um, yeah, very intentional conversation, perhaps another DTR, like, are we going towards marriage or are we not? Because um, yeah, you invest so much of yourself. You're, you're putting um, your life into the hands and into the heart of this other person. And at two years, if, if it hasn't gone anywhere, then um, you, you might need to uh, have that difficult conversation. And, and, and I know it would be very painful, but it, it might require the, to, to end it so that you can move to the person who is going to treat you well. This has been so good, Father. I know we're kind of winding down here in our time, but just to kind of recap some, um, I just really want to emphasize the whole date to mate. Mm-hmm. And then you have your ideals during your single time to really pray about those ideals that you're looking for. Again, with the with the end game in mind, being married 50, 60, 70 years, being a team throughout those years together. And you also want to... Um, 
Think about how you're going to be going down that road with them and always with that in mind, um, taking it to the Lord each and every time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recommend, you know, we weren't able to get into what chastity looks like, some practical ways of living chaste lives. Um, the full the full podcast is available on the Aggie Catholic Talks podcast, as well as some resources, some books that uh, someone could look into in order to make their list and in order to to live out a chaste dating, courtship, engagement, and ultimately marriage. Very nice interview, Pam. We've got one minute left, and I'd, I'd like to interrupt so we could get Father's priestly blessing, if we could, as we end yes, this show. please. Absolutely. Thank you, Father, so much. You're very and welcome. And Godspeed to your, uh, during your new uh, adventure down in Austin. Thank you very much. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain forever. May He fill you with His grace and grant you His peace and joy. May you be able to follow Him with great confidence where He leads you and ultimately arrive in heaven with Him forever. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, Father, we just want to say thank you so much for the impact that you've had on our community here. And uh, and we look forward to seeing you from time to time as you come back and and talk about vocations and the priestly vocation. And we we just want to thank you for your priestly heart and thank you for all the love you poured on us. And just Godspeed, Father. Thank you very much. God bless you and thank you for your faith and witness. Well, until next time, folks, go and love.